friends. Welcome back to the second episode ever of the Jamie R.K. podcast MMA show, J.O.P. for short, if you guys didn't get that on the first go round, but I'm here with Nate. Nate's back. Nate, say hi to all of the fans. Hey, how's it going, guys? Oh, what a great day it is, huh? Oh my God, uh, it, it's, it's amazing! Um, it's Friday. Um, it's the night before UFC 236, which is super like exciting. Like the press conference. The God, let me say that again. The press conference today um, just got me like way, way excited for tomorrow. Like I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a card. Yeah, this is a really good card. Like the two title fights, even though they're interim belts, it doesn't really take away with how high level those fights are going to be. They're going to be fucking amazing. And I feel like this is the first time in a long time where these interim titles are actually um, rightfully called for because I felt like before... UFC was just kind of throwing them out willy nilly, but I think this time around they're like, all right, like our champions, like legit can't fight, so we want to move on with the division. We're sick of them being held up, so like let's create these interims again. But I feel like this time they haven't gotten that much flack because I felt like these ones were rightfully deserved. Well, yeah, because Khabib, you know, he could have came back sooner, but he has that vendetta against Vegas, which I don't blame him, you know, kind of goes against his religion with many aspects of it, but it's just, it's kind of just doing the right thing too, you know, like he broke the rules, you know, he did something like even how he remarked how his dad's going to beat him up. Like he was more afraid of his dad than really anything that would have, that actually came out from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's not going to come back because he still has probably like, he probably won't fight till November. So, I mean, that's a long time. Like, it's still really early on in the year. You can at least get two fights between, you know, like whoever wins Kelvin or not Kelvin, freaking Holloway or Poirier. Yeah, Poirier. Like, either of them win, you could see, I could see Connor sliding himself in there because he beat both of them. And so then it leads up to the ultimate matchup of whoever wins, you know, between these two. Can probably possibly fight Connor, and then caught and whoever wins that match fights Khabib. You know, it's a that would be the golden goose egg right there, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not even sure if Connor is gonna fight again because he has to, you know, get past all that legal stuff in Miami, and then he's also got that um, case back home that um, people don't really know too much about yet. Well, it's because the laws there, like, you know, if, it's not like how it is here. If you're accused of something, everyone just blows you up on social media and Twitter out there. They can't name him like they weren't supposed to name him. It's just because of a Western like, you know, American publisher decided to put who was actually being charged in there because in I- Ireland, you can't do that. It's against the law and they, the companies would get in trouble. And so even though now it's kind of the cat's out the bag. They still can't really confirm or deny it like that. He's in the investigation, but it's just, you know, America, we don't care. We just we can want to blow people up regardless of what's going on, you know, or the facts like we don't really know what's going on with it. But it doesn't mean people haven't accused them of it 
without knowing everything. I just want to know what the holdup is since it happened so long ago. Like what other evidence are they like trying to gather or like, are they trying to build this big case against them? I feel like, you know, if, if it did happen, um, it all took place that one night and it's been like almost a year since, um, it allegedly happened. So I'm just curious, like what's the holdup with it? I guess realistically, like a lot of people, I guess CSI and all that kind of messed it up for them, but actual drug testing and things like that, or like, you know, testing of samples takes a while actually. And so it might be something with, to do with that. Maybe she actually, you know, had proof of like some type of sexual interaction, or maybe there's, you know, more with the law side of the, you know, like they have to get a warrant to really get the camera footage if there is any, you know, so I don't know. It's one of those things that I guess you have to see how it shakes out, but he, Connor hasn't been doing himself any favors, though. It's not like, you know, he should know all these things are going on. And I don't know. Maybe it contributes to the way he acts. Maybe he's just under so much pressure. I mean, he is on the top, like the probably the most notable athlete in MMA and probably sports in general right now. So it's just I don't blame him, but he should probably know better. Wait, you don't blame him for what he allegedly did or not for that? Like sexual assaults definitely not good regardless of what but in that situation how much of it would be actual you know willingness on both ends you know what i mean because it's one of those things you don't really know like someone could you know they know who he is they could set him up for something like that purposely you know just to extort people i mean it happens you know, it happens with not even yeah. in sexual encounters. It happens with like business partners and things like that. People are going to exploit you because of who you are, you know? Yeah. And so um, reminds he me shouldn't of, have done anything to begin with because, you know, he has his girlfriend with his daughter and his son. So, I mean, he has a daughter. He kind of, yeah, he has two kids. I thought he had three. No, two. <laughs> I was allude, like alluding to this girl that claims that she had his baby. There's another uh, girl. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. It kind of seems like kind of like someone who runs wild like that. It's just like Eddie Murphy has like 10 kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's Yo. just one of you. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. One of the funniest guys ever. <laughs> and he has a pretty good hit single. Party all the time. Dr. Doolittle, show respect. <laughs> he was in Haunted Mansion. You want to talk about that? No, because that's a soft spot. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for yeah. the Disney podcast. Um, okay. okay. So, so UFC 236. Wait, hold on. <laughs> a lot on state. Put, put that on pause real quick. Uh, did you uh, see John Jones's tweet earlier? To it, Stylebender? I don't know who it was to. He didn't like tag anybody. He just sent out this crazy tweet. I thought it was towards DC. What? Which one are you referring to? It was his most recent tweet. I'll, I'll read it off to you. It says, if you think you killed 44 year old Anderson, you didn't. I'm not really sure what fight you've been watching. You got past the legendary goat. Now come fuck with the king of the jungle. I'll make you call me daddy by the third. Uh, yeah, he was talking to Stylebender. Really? Because I think in the yeah, he was talking to Stylebender right there because um, I think uh, 
he said something about Jones in the conference and because he wasn't there. And I think he just kind of trashed him a little bit. And so that was like Jones responding to that. But, you know, Israel is like so much smaller than him. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Like well, that not, wouldn't be a good matchup. Well, not really. They're one way. Well, I mean, apart. he's really tall, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think there is a notable size difference. That's crazy. I had no idea that that was directed at Stylebender. I didn't even catch what he said about Jones. Uh, I kind of glanced over it, but I think it was because a lot of people, they kept asking like, oh, is he faking? Because he wasn't at the press conference. Is he faking his illness? Is he, you know, what's yeah. really going on with Jones? It's always going to be something more extravagant. And so I think it was something in insinuation that or maybe in one of the interviews that he had outside of it. But he mentioned something about Jones, maybe not being too impressed because he, you know, they get compared to each other a lot. And I think that's why um, Sal Bender was kind of like, nah, fuck that guy, you know? Yeah, I, I like as much as I would like to see them fight. It just, yeah, the, the size difference is just too crazy. Yeah, no, it, it's just, I think even like him, he, I think he's going to have trouble gaslighting, to be honest. Like, I, I think Gaslam's going to put a pressure on him that's going to really showcase the weaknesses of Stylebender. Not going to lie. Going into this, I was like, yeah, Stylebender has this, like, no problem. And then I watched, like, a highlight of all of um, Stylebender's wins in the UFC. And I was like, um, he he has, like, impressive finishes, but the guys that he beat weren't top tier and then when you look at yeah. the guys that kelvin's beat he's beat like you know some of the best fighters ever yeah no kelvin's definitely been fighting people at the top of the you know division and that's a fact like and he's done pretty well i mean i always think like i always put an asterisk next to the bisping win because bisping shouldn't have been in that fight to begin with because he just got off that knockout you know from gsp so him the fight so soon after that was a bad call anyway but uh, it doesn't i mean he still knocked him out but it, i think it was kind of a fight that shouldn't have been made regardless because that uh, you know it was just like a month within he got knocked out yeah it was a quick turnaround yeah and that's you never want to do that i mean especially i i get you probably get a good payout from that but it's not worth your health you know what i mean I'm just mad that um, my boy uh, Chris Weidman, I, I feel like he should have gotten the shot over Kelvin. Yeah. Oh, well, to, yeah, I guess um, Israel talked to TMZ is what it was. And I guess they were talking about, and I guess he did a warning towards John Jones. He said, does it tickle my loins? He's already light heavyweight champ. And then he was like, oh, I already killed one goat and I'm hunting the next. So he called him out. So, yeah. Uh, Damn. That'd be crazy. Definitely. I feel like Israel would have to like put on so much mass to just to try to, you know, stand a chance. Yeah, no, it's... I, I don't see that being a good matchup because Jones fights like has one of the highest IQs in sports. You know what I mean? Like he just adapts to his opponents, you know, pretty much like 
I like when we're watching the last fight when he was uh, against Anthony Smith, he really fights at the pace of who he's fighting with, you know? So if someone's really pushing the pressure on him, he can bring it to that level as well. And But when they're not, he just picks them apart and does it, you know, gradually rather than risking anything. Like he's, and it, he adapts, you know, and goes with the flow. Like he's kind of very unique in that manner because most people either get frustrated or lose patience and he definitely doesn't have that. As much as I like John Jones, I, I can't look at his record and everything that he's done and be happy with it. Just the fact that he's had these issues with these picograms and <laughs> An ongoing issue at that. Yeah. Yeah. Ongoing. But obviously they're testing, you know, for picograms so that, like, you know, um, they're not helping him in any way. But the fact that he has this stuff in his system and the fact that like, you know, he's, you know, hid from, uh, USADA before, um, at the gym, like, uh, trail Sonnen told the story about how he like hid underneath the octagon for like eight hours just to avoid being tested. Um, it's just, just doesn't sit yeah. right with me. I feel like it's hard to trust fighters that have been popped, um, and actually been caught. Like I'm not talking about, you know, people like Yoel Romero, Tim means who got busted with a tainted supplement, but yeah. for like people like, um, you know, TJ Dillashaw just got busted. John Jones, um, it, it just like I can't. The Russians, a few of them got li- even one got a lifetime ban. Yeah, and then it's just like I just can't fully trust his career, and it sucks because he is like one of the greatest fighters alive. And I hate the argument that people tell me like, oh, um, how about you take uh, steroids and then go try to fight like John Jones? And it's like I'm not saying that he's only as good as he is because of the steroids, but the fact that we'll never know how good he is without them is just frustrating to me. Yeah. It's just like the same with And now it puts the whole question mark on TJ Dillashaw's career. Cause you know, there's always been being accused of things and he always, you know, tested, you know, negative for anything. And he always, you know, came and did a very impressive performance. And, but you always heard Cody, you know, and the team alpha male kind of accusing them of these type of things and for it to actually be true and actually get caught and him not even deny it and always kind of just finally accepted, you know, the truth of what everyone else was saying. It kind of makes you question who else is doing it and what else, you know, with the sport. And, and that's why I always laugh. Like people always give a big hoop, like some of these fighters, they don't like you saw or they blame you saw for like issues. But I mean, they, they are doing their job and you go to other promotions. They're not testing in the same manner. Like, you know, you go to Bellator or whatever. I mean, they take they'll take people that are banned, you know, like suspended from USADA because they don't follow that program, even though. they So even though they failed a test like, you know, Bellator still takes them in anyway. It's just because it's more they want to like have some type of leverage or some type of thing to show that they're a higher end organization themselves. And but it's like for what cause, you know, you're cutting corners for things that are, you know, dangerous in the sport and things that people want to clean up. I just hate that um, Cody, Uriah, everybody has kind of like alluded to 
TJ using PEDs in the past. And then he comes out with a statement that says he did it all independently. None of his trainers knew. I, I, I think that's just such a BS. There's no way that his, um, his guy, Sam Calavita, who's supposed to be this mad scientist who knows his body inside and out. There's no way that they were training together as, as intense as they were and how detailed um, he was on TJ's body. There's no way that he didn't know that TJ was doing the EPA. You spend, you spend so much time with people, especially in that kind of regards. You're going to notice, you're going to know, you're going to see what they have. You know, even if it's not like you searching it out, it's not something that you can completely avoid, you know, being around someone that much of your life and so much time, you're going to notice things. You're going to, you know, you're not blatantly oblivious to things, you know, and for them to act like they would have no idea, it it is far-fetched. And I mean, they just started that gym and I know they don't want to burn it to the ground. So, I mean, I don't blame them for playing dumb about it and especially if tj is going to take all the heat for it i I don't blame them you know because you want that you want people to want to train at your gym and that really like that was a big draw is you know you could train with tj jill you know dillashaw train with these you know and now look you know like are you going to want to train there are you going to really feel like are you going to get kind of that association, you know, guilty by association? Like you're going to be around these people. It's like, well, he was popped. Are you doing those type of things? Are they suggesting these type of things to you? And so it really does put, you know, them in a predicament. I'm just curious. Has Dwayne Ludwig made a statement on this whole situation? Yeah. He said, whoever's free of sin, you know, cast the first stone, yada, yada, yada. Kind of like a vague thing saying that he's going to support him, which I think is more him going like, yeah, fuck, you know, like we got caught kind of thing. I see it like more when you do like kind of just like, oh, you bring in the whole religious aspect of it. You know, it's just like, okay, guy, like you probably were in on it. You know, it's just like. And you're just going to be like, oh, I made mistakes, too. I bet you guys made mistakes by shoving needles in your ass, you know? It's like, no, no, guy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Like, yeah, he, he's a cheater. And, it, and that bums me out so much because before we knew he was doing EPO, I looked at him as possibly one of the greatest bantamweights ever just the way that he fights what he's accomplished and what he was trying to continue to accomplish in that weight division i just um i I just can't look at him like that anymore and like i don't even like care about him as a fighter anymore because i think about it his suspensions up in 2021 the landscape of that division is going to be so different. I don't even know who's going to be champion in two years. I don't know what new fighters are going to be like, you know, contenders by then. And for him to like jump back in two years later, like I just don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Like I I think the sport might pass him up while he's on the shelf, which is kind of sad and it bums me out. Well, yeah, you think about that happens with a lot of great fighters that aren't even, you know, in that predicament. Like there's people that just took long layoffs, you know, because of injuries and they come back and they just don't do well. Like Cain Velasquez, for example, you know, like considered Uh, the best heavyweight. And he came back and just completely fought terribly, you know, and just got decimated. So sad. And but then and that's the thing. Sometimes it's a mindset thing, you know, like I think you kind of lose 
like a drive in you once you because I always feel like it's like anything you got to keep up with it and the, the less you do it how you can't be at the top of your game you know it's like if you play like a game you do anything it's like if you stop playing for a month you can't go back and be top tier like you were you know because you're gonna be like what was this what was that you know unless your name is gsp yeah dude well, he, he's gone for a long cool. time he's gone for a long time came back and dominated the middleweight well, champion think of it, speaking of dominated what about dominic cruz he did you know he came back and did terrific as well that's true he, he doesn't believe in ring rest he's so he's so yeah. brilliant i i love dominic it, it just bummed me out that he fought Ew, he's mr glass <laughs> oh my no, God. Well, not that but it, it just bummed me out that he didn't fight Cody like how he should have. He got emotional, um, you know, yeah. stepped out of character and he paid for it. Yeah, he definitely got pieced up pretty bad in that fight. And that's the thing, Cody. And that was a shine of brilliance by Cody because that's how Cody should have been fighting all of his fights. But then lately, he's just been fighting with the raw emotion too. This is kind of weird. I mean, you, I don't blame the guy because you could tell he's really emotional as an individual and so sometimes it's yeah like it's just flashes of anger and flashes of knockouts too because that's what happens to him he just gets freaking flashed ko'd most of the time because he's just biting on his freaking teeth and just freaking swinging for the fences but imagine how pissed off he must be knowing that he lost to tj twice and he was definitely on EPO one of those times because um, they went back and tested that old sample and he was confirmed on EPO then. And I wouldn't doubt him being on EPO the other time either. So it, it just sucks that he had to take those two losses from somebody who was cheating, which sent him on this freaking downward spiral. Hopefully he gets able to bounce back, which I hope he is. Yeah, it might be I, a I different ho- motivation. I hope he doesn't fight his next fight super angry because um, he knows that he got beat by somebody who was like legitimately cheating. Yeah, it's tough to say, you know, but he um, tweeted out about it as well that, you know, that he lost because of that. But then he also was like, I'm not blaming. I also did really dumb things in those fights that contributed to my loss as well. Like, and so he didn't like fully blame it on him getting, you know, because the TJ Juicin, it was he's admits that he made some actual mistakes leading up to it as well. It's just frustrating. Yeah, but, and it is I, what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, L- let's look um, at the UFC 236. I was kind of skimming over the card. Um, early, the early prelims, I was kind of interested in uh, this women's flyweight bout, um, Lauren Mueller versus Pollyanna Bothello. Bo, did I spell that right? I ain't gonna lie. Right? Never even, never even heard of either of them, to be honest, man. <laughs> well, if I'm being honest, um, the only reason why I looked at this fight was because, um, Pollyanna is kind of a babe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's like your. Um, oh my god, she, she's a dime piece, bro. I, 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 that I it just caught Pollyanna my eye. Did fight Cynthia Cavill though, so um, that's where? what I remember. But she, I, I believe uh, Cynthia won that fight. The one from Team Alpha Male. Yeah, yeah. she submitted her. 
So it's kind of like make or break for her, maybe. Well, I don't know. They they need a lot of women fighters. So and she still has a pretty good record, seven two. That's not bad. And she lost to someone that's rising in that division. So yeah, then there's that. I think this would be a good. Um, yeah, it should be a good fight. Um, but there's a welterweight bout on that. Um, early prelims: Curtis Millinder versus Bilal Muhammad. Mm. Yeah, that, those are two people that kind of been like, you know, like they actually have pretty decent records, and but they're kind of on the lower end of, you know, the rankings, which you know, if you look at them like on paper, they pretty impressive, you know, seventeen and four and fourteen and three. That's not nothing to scoff at, but uh, they've kind of been getting the short end of the stick, and I think that's kind of why they're kind of lower on it. But uh, Millender could be pretty impressive. You know, he's had some pretty good wins. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see him fight. So we definitely got to keep our eyes out for that one. But if we're going um, to the jumping to the prelims, there's a flyweight bout, which I'm still kind of surprised that they're still doing flyweight fights. Because there was the whole, um, you know, TJ was going to um, end the division and they're going to close out the flyweights after Demetrius took off. Yeah. So I'm surprised, but I'm still kind of stoked because I enjoyed watching the flyweights. I think they're doing it in spite of <laughs> Demetrius Johnson, you know. I think they're mainly keeping it together just for the Cejudo, you know. Like, I think Cejudo is going to go back. And he's gonna fight probably Benavides. Who is who's Benavides fighting? Because that's gonna be like the pretty much what they're calling the title elimination. I don't think uh, he has a fight, does he? Yeah, they they announced it. He's fighting. It's a it's a rematch. Is yeah, I think he's fighting Formiga. To be honest, another rematch. Because his last fight was a rematch. Yeah, well, I, I didn't plan it up. <laughs> Yeah, Juicio Formigo, Formigo versus Joseph Benavides too, on USC ESPN four. That's so. That's so sad that he's having to rematch these guys that he already beat. Yeah, well, and I he feel lost like his last fight didn't he? No, he he beat Dustin Ortiz again. Oh yeah, that's right. But so. I I feel like um they <laughs> like I don't feel like these people have earned the um rematch with joey i feel like they should give him the nod and give him a rematch with his last loss against sergio pettis yeah i i just think um pettis is on it i think pettis is on his way out you know he's kind of like out of the rankings pretty bad too because he hasn't been doing too hot and so i think they're just trying to move him as forward as possible because i believe they are both one and two in the flyweight division Formiga and um, Benavides, And so I think that's like pretty much, like I said, the title elimination, which hey, if it leads them to fighting Cejudo, because might as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, going back to Wilson Rice and Alexandre Antoya. I, I will accept that because I do not know how to pronounce the hat. <laughs> But yeah. why does he look like? Um, why does Alexandre look like um, Eric Silva? Uh, I don't know. You might be uh, just thinking all Brazilians look alike. I don't know. 
that's your that's your thing, man. He does have a similar arm tattoo. I will give you that. But uh, hey, this guy, I haven't really heard of this guy, but um, he has a pretty good record. Yeah. Do you think he takes it over Wilson Hayes? Yeah. Wilson hasn't really been too impressive at all in the UFC. Like he came in with a lot of steam and he just kind of got derailed pretty nasty after he lost to DJ. It was pretty much like on a downward spiral from there. Yeah. Well, he won his last fight, but um, I definitely remember watching him fighting um, Moraga and um, Moraga whooped him. Yeah. I I think he's just kind of getting a little, I don't know, like he's has a lot of fights under his belt. And after a while, you know, it's just you're kind of on your way out. 23 and nine. You know, you start getting double. It's kind of old for the division. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I really don't see him. I haven't really seen any much like improvement, even with his last win. I don't think it was much of an improvement. I think it's just the competition he was fighting just wasn't, you know, it was probably pretty similar to him. So if uh, Alex Andre could come in and really take advantage of this opportunity and push himself up, and I, I think he probably has more of the drive because he's the younger fighter. I think he's going to take it in, just take that win and move forward. And you'll start to see Wilson make his way out of the UFC and probably end up somewhere else. So next fight I want to talk about is a lightweight fight. What do you know about this Jalen Turner guy? Uh, he was the one that got knocked out on Nasty, right? Uh, I don't know. By who? Uh, it was like he... Because wasn't he found in the, the Contender Series? Yeah. Yeah, and his first fight he did on short notice, and I I believe he got um, knocked out, didn't he? Like pretty nasty. Oh, he did against um that uh was it Vicente Luque? Yeah. Oh man, that was him. Yeah, like he took it like really short notice and just got decimated. Like it was, I guess he fought again after that and won. But yeah, I remember watching that. I was like, "Ooh, that was bad." But I mean, that's the thing—you take a risk at short notice, and especially against because Vincent Luque is a really good fighter. Like he's kind of like underrated in a sense, but I think he also holds himself back a little bit. But I mean, it'd be interesting. I mean, like the guy is definitely Jalen's talented, but he's also fighting another like up and comer. So, I mean, it's just really who has the, the motivation for that day. You know, who's going to be... Oh, man, I don't know. I think I want Jalen to win because I just read the guy's freaking nickname. The, the Steamroller. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. Steamroller. Jesus Christ. Well, I feel like uh, so many or all the good nicknames are pretty much taken. So you, it's hard to be super creative these days. Yeah. Um, his one, his only loss is from knock by being knocked out. So, not really the <laughs> best thing. And it, it it was um his UFC debut. He got knocked out as well. So I mean, I think this is for who's going on the chopping block. Oh, and he had a draw with Lando Venata. That was the last person he fought. That was a pretty good fight. Hmm. Tough to say. Okay. 
I th- this guy, I think they're pretty evenly matched. So I think it's just whoever decides to show up. And I think if he fights, he puts the pressure on uh, Jay Lynn, uh, like how he did with Lando. I think he'll do pretty well. All right. Let's move on to the main card. We got the return of OSP. He's taking on Nikita Krylov. Damn. Yeah. They're both coming with losses. Yeah. Uh, OSP, he's kind of like can't take a hit very well. And so when if he gets caught up or gets pressured into a corner, he usually buckles. But if he's actually able to kind of maintain his distance and really use his wrestling – He's he's really good, you know. He can I I could see him winning pretty easily. Like I think he has better skills than Nikita for sure. But it's just if he shows up because or if depending on the type of pressure Nikita puts on him. Yeah. But I, I just OSP is very impressive, you know what I mean? Like he and the Von Flu joke, like he's like one of the only people that uses it and it actually just good at submissions in general, which generally is what catches people who are used to just throwing down. That's why I was pretty surprised when he got subbed by um, Latifi. Yeah. I think it was just getting a little beat up, you know what I mean? Yeah, and he did put on a good showing against Dominic Reyes. Like, it was the first time he took him to a decision. You know what, though? I, these, these two already fought. Did they? They they yeah, he was uh Saint Prue. That this was the first person he ever got in the Von Fluke choke in the UFC. And so this is a rematch. How long ago was that? Like it, it was like way back. How did I not remember that? I honestly just read it and I was like, oh yeah. They fought at you uh, five years ago. Oh, UFC, uh, 171. Yeah, 171. 2014. Yeah. So they're running it back. It kind of just shows you where they're both at in the division where they have to run it back kind of like outside of the rankings almost. Well, yeah. Nikita's not even ranked. St. Prue, if he loses, I I think he will probably get, get, get knocked out of the top 15. Yeah. So it's kind of just shows you where they're at, which is too bad because OSP... You know, he held his own against Jones. Like, he didn't do, like, the best, but, I mean, he didn't get knocked out or anything. So, it's just, like, he has a skill set. It's just if he can utilize it. And I kind of see it. I could see him winning this, especially even though I think Nikita's probably uh, maintained a better record over the, you know, the same time as him. I still see you got that confidence. You got that swagger from already defeating someone. I see him just OSP doing the same thing. Yeah, same here. How funny would it be if he beat him the same way? <laughs> it'd be pretty funny. I mean, it'd be one of those things where it's just like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, look how much you learned. You know, but it'd be sad because that guy'd probably get kicked out of the UFC after that point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the next fight, which I'm pretty excited for. Um, we've got Alan Joban coming back, and he's taking on Dwight Grant. 
Yeah, um, Dwight Grant doesn't have too many fights in the UFC. I think he has three. But his last win was a KO in the first round, which was really impressive. Like a good, like he was fighting an up-and-comer, Carlo. And, but I don't know. I think Alan Gerbain is really good. <laughs> like he's got a lot more experience. And, you know, he's been in the UFC for quite a bit. I think him being the veteran in that ring, he's going to probably come out on top personally but i don't know maybe it's time to pass into the torch so to speak yeah i feel like this is a good test for dwight grant to see if he's ready to take that next step in competition it's kind of crazy because they're not like jorban uh jorban's again uh 37 and dwight's 34 so i mean they're already kind of like shows that already getting pretty out there in terms of age so dwight if he's gonna make any type of showing in the ufc he has to do it now so yeah. it just depends if he can but I, I just think alan's a little smarter than to get caught up in something yeah but the, this guy has crazy reach he's like almost like like almost five inches on joban and his reach it's crazy yeah i not the, I don't know. Sometimes people don't use their reach advantage either, though. I mean, if Allen's pushing the pace on them and keeping within the pocket, you know, it's kind of doesn't really matter with range. It just depends on the strategy they have going forward into this match. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's beat um, Mike Perry, you know, Jordan. And uh, yeah, but he he couldn't beat Gunnar Nelson, Goonie. Yeah, <laughs> good old Goonie. Yeah, he's kind of had like a a lot of issues with his um, body too. He's had a lot of injuries, and that's the main thing. Like you see going into this fight, that like he's saying he's actually really healthy. So hopefully, maybe a more refreshed Allen can do it. But I don't know. Uh, I think this one's kind of toss up. Kind of depends. Dwight should win this in terms of like if he's hungry, especially trying to make a name for himself in the UFC. But uh, he, you know, is one for one in the UFC, so it's not like he came in guns blazing either. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Joe Ban just to keep this winning streak alive. <laughs> so. Man, I, I I seriously don't even want to talk about the next fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um. I know that a, last that last uh, so fight, bad yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah, so we're talking about there's a light heavyweight fight. We got Eric Anders taking on my good buddy Khalil Roundtree Jr. And I hate watching Khalil fight because I just am scared to see him get hurt. But it's so sick when he performs like super well and his last fight against Johnny Walker, it just bummed me out. I was so sad, but I'm glad that yeah. he was OK and he was able to like refocus and, you know, come back and hopefully um, be able to get back in that win column. Yeah, we'll see what Thailand did for him. I mean, it's good that he's able to see, you know, put himself in a situation to really. Because you move somewhere like Thailand, you're pretty much like not going to know the language. You're not going to, you know. So what's your going to be your sole focus is just fighting and getting better. And so hopefully he can bring what he learned and really showcase that. Which I don't know if Eric Anders is really 
made any difference you know to his game since last time we've seen him like i think he really just relies on his power over anything else and i think that's why you see anders kind of losing consistently now too because people already figured him out so if roundtree is really shaping up his game and really looking at what he needs to improve and adjusting i I could see him coming out on top i mean you could see it in his fights that he you know is really passionate about it and really pushing himself forward so i I hope khalil wins this same here (laughs) and i'm not being biased because i know him but i think he's uh you know taking this one really serious and i hope we're able to see him come out and like show a little improvement in his game and take eric anders out yeah i think both of them are still safe regardless of if they lose this i know they're both kind of on the losing well anders is on a two fight losing streak and i think khalil's only on just a one yeah, so I think even if either of them win, because I mean they both still got pretty good records and yeah. uh, pretty impressive wins within the octagon. And I think if you show up, let's say they have a really good fight where like, it's a really good showing, I see them continuing, especially if they they've been they're in the main event. Maybe it's like when you start getting lower and lower on the spectrum of the card is when you have to start worrying about where you're going to be. You know? Yeah, and they definitely put them on the main card because these guys are going to throw hands and be crazy. Yeah. So I think, uh, you're going to start seeing that influence from his, uh, teachings and tie. And, uh, I think he's going to come out on top. All right. Well, now we're moving into the co-main event. It's the first of two interim, two interim title fights tomorrow night. We got Kelvin Gastelum taking on Israel Adesanya. This one, man, I'm so on the fence. Like like I was telling you earlier, I was all about Israel. I, I figured no problem. He's going to win easy. But then I decided to stop being biased. And I just got to look at things from a real like perspective and actually analyze these guys. And I'm just not sure anymore. Yeah. It's not that it's a, kind of the same thing with like I always think with like Wonder Boy, Holly Holm, like Style Bender, he has the skills and the talent to really put it on someone and really like pressure and defeat someone with like every essence of their freaking being. But they just don't really push the limits like that. They really come out either conservative because it's like with when you watch Style Bender fight Anderson Silva. There's so many times he could have just ended that fight that he's caught him with things and things. and it, But he also gets cocky and gets caught with things as well. I mean, because Anderson even clipped him a few times. So you get someone that's known to be aggressive and have power like Kelvin. It, I think it's a recipe for disaster for him if he's not playing it safe. The way I see Israel winning is if he fights Kelvin, how he fought Derek Brunson like utilizing his range, great takedown defense and just, you know, putting the pressure on him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Kelvin's no, you know, he really does push the pace. Like he's fought really good people and he's come out on top very impressively in a few of those occasions as well. And he has that confidence, you know, he has that 
aura around him that's you know really showcasing that he wants to be the champion and i think that's you know stylebender's already kind of brushing it off like eh, not too impressed by this guy but i don't know i think that confidence and that inner drive that kelvin has is really i think he's gonna win i think he's gonna dominate to be honest oh wow okay well i guess we'll have to wait till tomorrow man i'm now i'm trying to think okay so whoever wins either it be kelvin or israel do you think they're going to give them or whoever wins do you think they're going to give the winner robert whitaker or do you think they're going to give jacques ray um a title shot like they promised um it really depends how long whitaker is going to be out you know well and so I'm pretty sure he's cleared to train. Is he? Yeah. And then he had to unify the belts. Unfortunately for Jacare, he could probably wait. (laughs) You know, it depends how much damage they get. But, you know, like if they say, hey, you get the next fight. If you want to wait, that's up to you. But, you know, we have to unify these belts. I mean, it's just no other way. You can't have a interim belt and the real belt comes back. And if they can fight. Well, not make it happen you know what i mean they did do that with um biz being and robert whitaker because they had gsp come in and fight for the belt remember yeah but gsp let his belt go yeah so, but too. but robert whitaker was the interim champion while biz being defended the middleweight belt yeah and they know. they it's told kinda- gsp they had it in his contract that if he won the belt, he'd have to fight Robert Whitaker next. That's why he vacated because he was, he wasn't going to do it. Yeah. So they've done it before. Whitaker would piece him up. I don't know, man. I'm so like, I like Robert Whitaker, but I feel like it's just been so long since I've seen him actually fight. I'm just, I don't know how he is physically. Yeah. He's had a lot of issues. Like a lot of, major issues too not like small things it's like been like life almost fatal freaking incidences with his body that just are kind of scary you know like (laughs) it's not worth dying over yeah and it's just like how is he gonna be able to bounce back from it you know yeah it's it's tough to say i mean i really do like whitaker as a fighter so i hope he can come back, but it's not like he's going to come back and fight somebody that's not really top tier. You know, it's like different when you're like in the lower end of the spectrum and you kind of get hurt and you come back because at least you're kind of like at a level where you can fight like a newcomer or something. But when you're leaving, you're fighting, you have to come back and fight Sousa or Gaslam or Stylebender. It's kind of kind of tough, you know, to really be. 100% confident that he's going to be able to pull it off. But I mean, you look at his performances against Romero, who's a, a specimen in himself, and it's pretty impressive too, you know? Yeah, he, he could do it. I just, yeah, it's just so weird um, how like almost every division is in some sort of like weird log jam. Yeah kind of ufc's fault doing all these like champ champ things maybe you can put the blame on connor too but you know it's everyone's jumping between things when you know they should just kind of focus on their own which i mean 
I don't blame people for moving around because it definitely gets your name out there, gets money in your pocket, but I don't know. It really is causing issues and frustration with people. And you can tell, you know, I feel like Connor is the only person to have ever deserved the opportunity to become a champ champ. Cause you look at, yeah. Um, everybody else, um, I actually take that back. I forgot about DC. Let me rewind. Okay. Besides Connor and DC, like TJ going down, I don't think he deserved it because you think it, think about the rest of the division that was there. He didn't clear it out. He didn't beat Marlon Marias. Yeah. And he didn't avenge his loss against Dominic Cruz. And I felt like there was more fights to be had in Bantamweight. And yeah. also it was weird that he wanted to go down because normally, you know, champs go up to make it more challenging. It was just a whole weird thing. So I don't think he deserved it. Um, I didn't really agree with um, Amanda Nunes um, going yeah. up to fight um, Cyborg when, you know, Holly Holm was there the whole time. She never fought her. Um, I think they just did that as a play to um, try to get rid of Cyborg, hoping that she lost. And she did. And um, who else was there? Um, was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, the only person um, I think, uh, you know, Max Holloway, he does deserve it. There's literally one fight left at featherweight for him. And um, it it sucks for uh, uh, what's his name? Alex Volkanovsky. Did I pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks for him because like I would like to see that fight, but I feel like his timing is just off. So he's not going to be able to catch. Uh, Holloway, I, I feel like I, I feel like if Holloway wins tomorrow night, yeah, he'll get to be champ champ for a little bit. But you look at every champ champ ever, nobody's held both titles. I think the only person who's going to be able to say that they held both titles for like a good amount of time and actually jump different weight classes is going to be Nunez because she's not going to have to go back to featherweight because there's nobody at featherweight. Yeah, because look at DC, he gave up his belt. Um, Connor had to give up his belt. I think Holloway's going to give up his belt if he wins the actual um, title. Yeah. And Cejudo, um, I don't know. Will they actually let him do dissolve the flyweights? Fly yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the thing they, that's always been. They got rid of like a bunch of flyweights. So maybe if he wins, they're going to be like, all right, cool. You won. See you later, flyweights. Everybody yeah. either bump up and wait or find a new job so who do you think's gonna win with who the middleweights oh. gaslam and stylebender ah all right if i had to put gun to my head i think momentum is a real thing and the fact that um I think it was an embedded uh, Calvin or Kelvin was talking about, um, you know, uh, having troubles with like peaking too early. I think Israel has all the momentum on his side with the way that he's been winning and the quick turnaround versus Kelvin, who's kind of been on the shelf, just kind of waiting for a fight. I think um, Israel is going to be able to pull it off with his range, 
He's going to be able to outstrike Kelvin and uh, negate his wrestling. And I think he gets it done by round four. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, it is one of those fights that you can see go either way. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah I'll stick with Gaslam. Okay. On to the main event. Holy shit, man. Like, I've been a fan of Dustin Poirier since he was on MTV's Caged. I honestly didn't know how good of a fighter he actually would become. I just thought it was cool. Like, I love MMA. I have never seen, like, a like a different re- reality show because the only one that I watched was the ultimate fighter. So the fact that they were kind of like going into like personal lives and showing him at his gym and him, uh, you know, taking f- like younger fighters under his wing, I-, I thought it was like a cool idea for a show. And yeah. the fact that I've been following him through the WEC into the UFC and seeing him jump up to lightweight, I, I think he should have done it a lot earlier just because the way he's um, able to, to perform the way he's been winning fights. I, I think 155 is like a perfect weight class for him. Yeah, it was his, it's like more natural for him. Even though he still has to cut weight to make 155, he still like says it's hard because I was watching the embedded. And he's like, it's not easy just because I used to make 145. Because your body's changed, you know, you change over time as well. The older you get, the more kind of, and you know, you're actively working out things. You're going to build up more mass. You're going to build, you know, it's just going to make it harder and harder for yourself. But it looks like it was kind of like the same with Connor fighting at featherweight. It's just like, you look like it's, you know, they completely drain themselves to make that weight, which it, you know, pays off in, you know, surf, like, you know, making you bigger than maybe some of the opponents that you're fighting, but it, it takes a toll on you, you know, which we've seen many times where people just, you know, cut so much weight that they're just, easily knocked out or just easily gassed you know i watched um the countdown to uc 237 and they showed footage of uh, max holloway versus dustin poirier in their first fight and it was crazy to see how skinny max looked back then when he was just 20 years old so yeah so for him you know coming into the uc short notice being 20 and seeing how skinny and young he looked, I was like, man, like, look at him now. He's like had a chance to like kind of fill out his body and he, he just looks like a way better fighter now just because yeah. his frame just looks like he's in the right position. Yeah, and he developed himself, too. I mean, just think about how many people at that age to fight at the top of the game, fighting someone that has been, you know, a well-known fighter for a while, too at the top of the, you know, because I think at that point he was ranked number three in featherweight when he, they fought. And since it was a short notice, like Holloway wasn't even ranked. And for him, you know, it was kind of like, would have been more surprising if Holloway won that than if he lost, you know? Yeah. But. So it'd be, it's interesting to see how they grew and how they stack up after so many, you know, years since. I don't know. I I feel like, and I might sound crazy, but I feel like Max takes this easy. You know what? Like, Poirier has been very impressive. Like, lightweight's probably the best thing that he's done, but Holloway definitely has a fighting style to him that's just 
very unique and very aggressive. I mean, just look at what, like, you know, everyone expected Ortega, who, Ortega, who's known for submissions and doing, you know, being able to catch people really slick things, didn't even get anywhere close. And I mean, he caught Holloway a little bit, but, you know, really Holloway dictated and messed around like pretty much that entire fight. And I kind of see him like really, you know, maybe starting off a little slow, but then just building that aggression and that steam and just picking Poirier apart. But, you know, I don't know. The drive, I mean, maybe the size difference with Holloway, you know, Poirier's kind of been getting established at lightweight for a while. He's probably picked up a few more, you know, like picked up some more pounds, a little more mass because he's able to, you know, kind of make a different cut. He doesn't have to cut down as much. And so he's just, you know, I don't know if the weight establishment between them, because Holloway, I don't think he really bulked up to go up to lightweight. He's just not cutting as much weight. And so does it like a fresher fighter over the established one in lightweight equal out that Holloway wins or Poirier wins? I don't know. It might. But I, don't know. I, I still think Holloway's going to win, though. It's just like I think he's one of the best fighters, period, you know? It's the blessed era, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh, which island is it or what? <laughs> uh, well, Vegas is the ninth island. Toronto's the 10th. So Atlanta, I don't know. Is I, I don't even know. I've, I've been to vacation spot. <laughs> I've been to Atlanta once in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just to the airport and I had a, um, a layover. <laughs> so it wasn't even, I was there for like maybe two hours. Yeah. You're now everybody want, probably wants to go to Atlanta because of, you know, the childish Gambino or, you know, Donald Glover show. Oh, ATL. Yeah. Maybe. No, Atlanta. It's called Atlanta. Is that what ATL stands for? Yeah, well, I thought you meant like the show was called ATL. I think that's. I was like, oh no. Are you sure it's not called ATL? Well, I, they do call it ATL, but the show itself is just called Atlanta. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, you probably know better than me. I don't watch TV. Nah, no, I, I I'm not really too into that either. But I'm. I just seen it a lot. But Georgia in general is just getting pretty big with the movie scene but anyway that's not what we're talking about well so we both agree max holloway over yeah. the diamond i mean it's gonna be a good fight i know that like it's not like poor is just gonna roll over and die i think so man remember the so? first time remember the first time you fought eddie alvarez and he was like shit i'm getting my ass kicked i i gotta um fake this um illegal knee so i can get out of the fight Okay. <laughs> That's how it's gonna be this time, except for Max Holloway is, is gonna punish him. I don't know, man. We'll see. I, I mean, like I said, I know I think Holloway's gonna win, but I think Poirier is gonna do pretty well because I mean, when they actually got the rematch with Poirier and Alvarez, he did beat the living hell out of Alvarez. It's a blessed era, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what fight I'm really excited for now that we're done talking about UFC 237. You can watch it tomorrow on your ESPN Plus. Uh, Subscribe now. Um, But 
I'm really excited for Ben Askren fighting uh, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know what's funny is what? Askren is so popular. Like, I don't think they really, really, really realize just how popular he is. You know, like he's really taking off in the UFC. Did you see like his shirt was the number one in the UFC store? Like over Jones and like Connor and stuff. Like everyone was buying funky Askren shirts. He was number one. That's so awesome. I want one yeah, like, so And bad. it's funny because it, he's super funny. Like the, half the stuff he says is hilarious, like at the conference and all that. And he's putting himself out there. He really wants to engage with people and really be there. And like, he doesn't have to be a dick about it either. He doesn't have to be like going for people's families or going against the religion. You know, he's just really like smooth in what he says and really just <laughs> – good at what he does you know like it's funny he like he fits in perfectly even though for whatever reason he butts head with dana white but i think they're starting to loosen up a bit yeah it was pretty funny at the end of the press conference when he was making a pitch for him versus khabib yeah and he just ended the conference he was like that's it yeah he's like he's like i heard that before he's like see you later yeah it, honestly, I don't see why they don't make a 165 pound division. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, that, that stupid guy um, who asked <laughs> the last question. The I don't remember his stupid name, but um, he had a really good point. I seriously agree that a lot of the fighters up there would be in that division. You know? Yeah. Because that's the thing. You do 155, 165. And then just leave it 180 or you even push it up to 185, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or is it already 185? I don't know. I forget. But either way, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It's such a big gap between it that you could finally get people like, you know, Khabib and Askren to fight, you know? like Or you can get Masvidal, who used to fight at 155, you know? Oh, Kevin Lee... Yeah, Kevin Lee would do a lot better because he could barely make 155. And now he had to jump up all the way. You know, it's just like it's big differences because there's people that used to be light heavyweights that would cut down to, you know. It's just kind of like not the best, you know, I think it just makes sense for a 165 division. But for whatever reason, they're really hesitant. And I don't get that. I don't know if it's because they didn't want to bring on more fighters because you're going to have to start filling out more of the you know, rosters again, or if they just, for whatever reason, just want to be, you know, stubborn and how they have things set up. But I mean, they're adding, they added a bunch of different women divisions when, you know, they still needed to work on their rate, you know, their flyweight and all that. So I don't really get the reasoning. Yeah. I have an idea. It's like it, it would make more sense because you got to look at um, all the fighters who are like adjusting to different weight classes. You had Anthony Pettis go up to welterweight. He was successful. He was able to fight the way that he wanted to. Didn't have to, you know, put a lot of stress on his body to make weight. Um, who else? Kevin Lee, you just brought up his um, going up. Uh, Kevin Gastelum, he used to struggle to fight at welterweight, but... Look at him now. He moved up a weight class, fighting for an interim t- like interim title. So it's just like I, I feel yeah. like the, like the weight class adjustment is like long overdue, especially since um, 
you know, the California State Athletic Commission has like, you know, sanctioned like all these new weight classes. It's just that the UFC just chooses not to use them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And it could just be Dana White, you know, kind of making those calls, even though. I don't know, like, so, you know, a lot of times he does his job really well, but it's just something that's just like, listen to what your fighters are saying, because there's hasn't really been anyone that's been against it. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody wants it. People want to fight at their proper weight, you know? Yeah. But I mean, old Dana going to be old Dana, I guess. <laughs> but is it? I, Dana? Is I think it- so. I don't. See what I like. I feel like he has the executive calls in that. I have no idea. I don't understand who makes these decisions. Because you know what I mean. Because like, it's not like he goes, "Oh, you know, let me see what you know the matchmakers and everyone thinks or anything." He's just like, "Nope, I ain't doing that shit." <laughs> you know? He's like. I, I heard that and I don't think it's a good idea or whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, why? Because <laughs> even like Connor is like Golden Goose is all about it, you know? No, he ain't the Golden Goose anymore. Not after they signed that ESPN deal. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I kind of have to see how that shakes out, too, because I mean, I feel like they still get pay-per-view buys depending, you know, if he sells like a million pay-per-views, he's still going to make hell of money yeah i have no idea i don't know how that works i don't know i guess it'll be interesting to see how um the pay-per-view does now that it's only on espn plus because i mean it makes me kind of like go like eh because i used to just you know buy it on the cable box and be like eh, i'll just pay with my bill whatever and so when i get the bill i'm just like ah i gotta pay this you know and it's yeah. just kind of like more blends in but now i'm like oh i gotta pay 60 up front you know like ah kind of a little I mean I guess it's kind of the same thing but I just maybe going like automatically seeing it or it's not blended in with my bill my regular bill that I'm just like oh man you know yeah it's like a different hurt yeah hmm. well is there anything else I mean there's a lot of stuff always going on in, in the May world but it's just like you keep talking forever, man. I mean, there's always like a bunch of drama and a bunch of good matchups coming out. Freaking Anthony Smith hating Luke Rockhold very badly. I like I don't even get it what was up with that. But yeah, man, it's well, it's a crazy world. Luke trash talked him after his loss to Jones. So yeah. So I think he just wants like revenge for his shit talking. Yeah. Which you don't really see Smith like that, though, either all like fired up, like being like aggressive, you know what I mean? Like he's like, I'll fucking fight that guy regardless of if, it, you know, the guy's not even ranked in like heavyweight, you know what I mean? He's like, I, I just want to destroy that guy, which is kind of different for most people because most people just want to fight for the belt and that's it, you know? Yeah, I think Rockhold whoops him. So. Yeah, I don't know. Rockhold hasn't fought in a long time, man. It's because he's sharpening those tools, bro. He's out there with Henry Hooft. He's learning, I yeah, think, he's too. Getting, he's getting pieced up, man. I don't know. 
I don't think he was last was his last fight first. against Romero. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, man, that hurt my feelings. Why? Because he kissed him and then kissed you? No, because he got knocked out. Like I, I just felt like you know he wasn't doing that bad in the fight, and then it just kind of came out of nowhere. Well, that's kind of just what Romero's known for. You know what I mean? Just throwing those flash punches or knees that are just freaking out of nowhere and insanely powerful, you know? So, I mean, it's like he kind of put himself in that position to get caught. Well, we'll see how he does against um, Jan um, Blocko. Wits or it's definitely a, it's definitely a good entry fight for him for that division because you know he's it's not the best fighter in the world but he's you know he has experience he's a veteran and he's pretty big he's a, you know compared to middleweight so should have fought uh, Alexander Gustafsson yeah yeah well Gustafsson's th- kind of been falling off but they offered him the fight but he told them that he didn't want to travel so that's why they gave it to Smith <laughs> that makes no sense to me it's like wouldn't you want to fight like the best you know oh I don't really want to go anywhere I don't know to I can understand to travel across the world have to worry about your weight cut I get it. I don't know, man. You got to do what you got to do. You got to put yourself in the position, you know, especially you got to think that guy just fought for the belt, you know, not that long ago. That was like his last fight. Well, you got to think about Luke Rockhold's a model. He doesn't have to fight. No, I got it. Well, then he shouldn't fight because I don't think he really has it. I don't think he's going to do very well in light heavyweight either. Wow. I think he's going to do well. Until he runs into John Jones. I guess I'll remind you when he gets beat up in the first round in his <laughs> light heavyweight debut. Nah, he'll be good. He'll be fine. But all right, Nate, this has been this has been fun. I love uh talking mixed martial arts. I always feel like such a weirdo when I'm with other people and sports get brought up and I mention MMA and people just have no idea what I'm talking about. And it just blows my mind. People want to watch these quote unquote athletes throw around a freaking ball, but they don't want want to watch real men throw down and women shout outs to Rose Nama Yunus. Yeah. So we'll just, hey, it is kind of like a weird like whenever you go like eh, yeah, watch MMA, they're like oh, and it's just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't understand fighting. It's in your DNA. If I slapped you right now, you wouldn't know what to do. You're a liar. <laughs> you try to put the your hands up, you wouldn't know what to do with them, and I would hit you with a three piece and a biscuit, and it, that'd be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You gotta bring a full bucket if you're gonna take him out. All right, this has been fun. Do you want to say anything before we go, Nate? Um, Disneyland's fake. It's not a real place. (laughs) There you have it. This has been another episode of the JOP MMA show. I don't really have a tagline for the end, so we'll just sign off. Bye. See ya.
Even 